0: welcome back to misunderstood i mean by the time you hear it it's been a year since this platform began i think it would have been in a, a year to the exact date on the first podcast being produced and i'm happy to say i'm alive because wow 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 it has been a movie as you can hear my voice is a bit messed up I might be a bit wheezy as well, I might be short of breath, so on and so forth. But we back. I'm happy we back. I'm back in the country. But we'll get into that and all of what's been happening with me. But today I'm joined here with
1: Uh it's Jonathan Shiffarall.
0: How you doing? How you doing? I'm,
1: I'm also happy to be alive. It's been <laughs> I don't know, it's been about a, a long year. The Misunderstood Podcast's been up for a year, but I've also had um quite the year so far.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um I'm pretty impressed with myself. I don't think I'll get this far. Why? Nah, it's been, it's been, it's been, I don't know. I think from mid grade 11, I think life got a bit serious, a bit too serious for me.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, Jonathan, where are you going? What uni are you going to? What are you studying? It became (laughs) very real questions. Um, Questions I still don't have answers to. Um, So I really hope by this time (laughs) in December, I really have like some idea, but I'm, I'm pretty happy to be here. I've had a nice restful holiday. Um, done a lot of thinking which is why I'm here today.
0: Nah cool. I mean he kinda asked me to come chat about bricks. We'll probably speak about bricks. Why are you breathing so loudly my brother? I'm not breathing loud. You're breathing <laughs> loud you're an <laughs> asthma bro Nah I can i can hear that <laughs> Nah nah. Nah but today we're gonna kinda talk about bricks. I think it's where we're gonna end the segue. But I wanna speak about like life in general because obviously I've been gone for a minute give you a bit of an update there but also just speak about like life in general because it's been a bit crazy i think we're almost at the end of my matric tenure i mean when i started i was in grade 11 matric didn't seem like it was going to end and it didn't seem like it was going to start but in general i think let me give you a bit of a life update so been traveling the world mr international that's what you've been doing um as many of you may know may not know i assume most won't because Obviously, the platform is devoid of my identity and personality as an individual. Is participated in WSDC debating. Um, yes, participated. Let's <laughs> leave it at that.
1: They didn't win anything.
0: Hey, winning something was subject to other things which we can't speak about and are classified because I will get clipped. Uh, and then traveled to the UK, just went to go see what the world's like that side. I mean, realized it's expensive as hell which is definitely not fun i mean the rand to the pound is disgusting and i was shown absolute flames and i think then addition to that now kind of writing prelims in my exam season because i missed exams and everything but i think one of the interesting things that's come out of prelims which i'm also going to kind of extend to you is the idea that somebody said the academic season the academic year shouldn't be about exams it should be essentially marked on the basis of the work that you put in consistently over the year and i mean you're quite an academic yourself um sometimes (laughs) like what what are your thoughts on that and like your feeling around that
1: um well just before i answer that i think i'll also give a life update Uh because you know uh i want to equality um i didn't get to travel to vietnam (laughs) because i didn't make the wstc team um which kumo likes reminding me I also didn't go to the UK because my mom said I can't go on Euro tour until yeah. I finish school. Um, <laughs> but I did get the opportunity to go to Tanzania Nationals for debating, um, which was a lot of fun. Um, I also realized that like South Africa's got problems, but yeah, yeah Africa's not doing <laughs> too great. I won't hold you. Zanzibar was cool, but Dar es Salaam, um, yeah, it's not the one. Um, but I met a lot of cool people there. Got to see the SA Juniors, including Kumo's little sister, um, who I like way more than him. Um
0: not surprised.
1: Understandable. Um
0: I mean not surprised.
1: Oh, oh, oh! Anyways, point being, you know, went to Tanzania Nationals, did some did some things over there, but now I'm back. But onto the question about exams. I've always felt this to be a particularly weird question because I think it's not very hard to work at a decent level year round. I think like, you know, you have your ups and downs. Yeah. But like working occasionally hard is not too hard. But I think the cool thing about exams and stuff, it kind of tests your character um, more than it tests your ability. Like, the ability to stay committed to exams is a lot harder than you'd expect. Um, And I also think, like, the purpose of school is obviously supposed to prepare you for life in the future and all of that. And I think that in life, you have particularly trying times where your skills have to, like, be adapted and your skills have to like come together to achieve sort of things or like project management if you're like working on a particular project you work with like very strenuous times at times of the year or sometimes you don't do any work at all like if you work in accounting um but yeah i i don't enjoy the exam process i wouldn't say i enjoy it but i do sometimes relish the opportunity to kind of say yeah i i get it like i've Mm -hmm. i've kind of come together and this is like um a fair characterization of what i know what i don't know um, and I think that's important to know. I think that's important. To know.
0: I mean, here's my thing. I agree with you that it's a test of character, but I feel like it's almost too reliant on people being successful in that period. because even when I look at how schools evaluate not only our marks but also like our acceptance into universities in the South African context, which is very different from the international one, is an understanding and idea that your exams are a representation of you academically as a person which i think is true but is also untrue and the reason i say it's a it's a weird untest of character is everything stops everything stops for a month and you have to essentially work and you've got nothing else no other commitments you don't have life beyond just exams and it tends to be that Because you and your friends are writing exams, you don't really have much of a social life because you guys understand that you're all focused for a set period of time. Where in reality, in the real world, my stressful time isn't your stressful time. And we're still expected to keep up with some social aspect of who we are as people, give back to our family. And I think a lot of what we've been given is the ability in school to essentially switch off for a moment and focus on this one aspect and then people claim it's, it's, it defines us but the second thing to that i also think is there's some people who just generally don't work well under pressure and that's why i disagree with exams as a test of character because i can attest to it i mean more historically than now because my body's dying um that i tend to do extremely well under pressured situations and i succeed and it shows in the increase in my marks, but also the ability to give my all in that time because i don't have to focus on anything else somebody else who probably doesn't enjoy being busy being accelerated within life will probably attest to the ability to work over a year and that being a better reflection of who they are and i find it a bit weird that Even we as like people within the schooling system very much don't care for our day to day until it gets to exams. And I think that's why I'm kind of like curious about the character building aspect of it, because I'm like some people's characters are completely destroyed. Now, yes, are they going to be able to avoid stressful situations within life? I don't necessarily believe that. But are there spaces that allow them to be themselves? and remove stress that exists on that extreme pressure for that period of time I agree with that and I say it's not a showing and a test to who they are as individuals because then my follow-up to that also is should exams not be optional but also be only a reflection of individuals who have done poorly technically how universities do it but you don't have to write an exam if you've done poorly in the year and you need these credits to pass
1: um i think it's an interesting question um more than anything i do think that we probably do put a bit of like too much emphasis on what exams look like and stuff and i think that yeah, that's a fair point like i think it's also because of the type of school we go to um i think that there is more academic pressure on us for exams than like comparatively at other schools but i also don't really buy into this idea that exams should be optional or like some people don't don't work well under pressure or like don't work well in in exam style so we should take it away I think for the most part or at least like in matric an element of standardization has to exist Um, that's like fair to everyone so we all write the same set of exams near the end of the year um, and we all like have similar um, pressures to do well or like similar um, extenuating circumstances to like do get through those exams and I think it's a bit difficult to compare individuals if you don't have that standardization process. Like, even about SBA, I know, like, at other schools, like, the history SBA is, like, 95 because they go to, like, a good school, but their history teacher isn't too dialed in. But if you yeah. go to St. John's, like, not a single guy touching 90 for his SBA. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Are you serious? Yeah. That's tough. Um, Damn, that just might be you. Uh, but, like, realistically, I think elements of standardization have to exist for us to fairly compare it people which is why like the whole thing about like yeah i got top one percent in six subjects is pretty cool because it becomes more it's not as much about like this is how hard i worked or whatever um i'm just better than the majority of people who took the subject
0: i want to flip that on its head though because let's take you and i as the example right our subject choices are very similar except for one right biology you take science right and now that's a good example of the two of us but it's not necessarily a reflection of everyone's pressure because there's some kid there who takes math lit, who takes drama who takes accounting accounting business management agriculture and does nothing intensive right and exams is Vibes. almost a part yeah exactly Vibes. it's pure vibe so I agree with the idea that standardization should be the same for everyone. But what I disagree with is the idea that it has to be something that's forced on everyone. Because I, I shouldn't have to be the kid who suffers and stresses so much and you get it off easy. Because I also think it's the same thing that happens in the school year, right? We all get these leadership positions and we all run various forums, so on and so forth. And then some kid cracks a 90, but he plays no sports, does nothing else beyond school, and then wants to say that he's technically more smart than me. On paper, yes, but who's the better individual? Who shows more character? And that's why I'm like, the schooling system as a whole is a bit weird because of the pressure that's exerted on someone to succeed when the circumstances aren't the same and aren't fair for everyone because if the top students got to get a week off for essentially being top students in sports and academics and cultural and they said you guys deserve a week because you need to catch up then i would say there's probably more fairness or more system balance that can exist there
1: well i think to be fair um most of the stresses we have as individuals are self-inflicted so you chose to go to wstc champs um I chose to do go to Tanzania, um, sports guys choose to go to provincials, choose to go to nationals. Um, and I think that that's a pretty fair characterization, um, that yeah, if I had a week off, I'd probably do better at school. But I also have to make trade-offs and say, yeah, the skills or like the experiences I receive from like worlds debating or going to the UK or going to sports nationals trumps the time I would have spent at school, and that's a trade-off I'm willing to make. Um, and my dad actually said this to me a few weeks ago. I was like, yeah, dad, I still don't know what I'm going to do. Am I going to study actual sciences or am I going to go do a BCom law? And he was like, just because you're good at speaking, just because you're good at the whole debating thing, doesn't mean that you have to take a career that like fully aligns with that. Mm-hmm. And he spoke to me about the um, like how interesting it is to have an accountant or to have like a quantitative analyst or whatever, that is really good at communicating information to other people who aren't necessarily um, as skilled as he is in his field or he needs to translate what he knows to other people. Um, so I think the external factors like that we get from extracurriculars is pretty helpful. And I think it's pretty well like understood. Like um, being good at debating means I could probably teach kids like maths pretty well if I'm good at maths. But it also means that like, I am able to understand that balancing different things in my life is particularly important. Um, and it's a, like a pretty good reflection of life i don't think the people who only do academics succeed um or like have a, a like a nice holistic life in the future yeah. like I, I remember last year like some of the guys who were, like duck scholars and who were like top of their grade or whatever like on their like interviews and stuff about what they did at school like it was it was very bland it was like i took math science english Yeah. i i, I played sixth team rugby <laughs> i played fifth team hockey blah 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 and like I'm going to vits and like i don't do anything outside of school i think those people tend to live similar lives outside of school like not have a particularly huge amount of friends don't do things outside of their Mm -hmm. academic career and i think that reflects on their quality of life but also like the type of career they have i think if you think about the most successful people they're usually people who are particularly talented in particular field but also have complementary skills or skills that are like set them away from other people Like, the smartest guy, I think, at our school, the smartest people in my school aren't the ones who, like, read the most or anything. Um, Like, we have a friend who's also a prefect. Like, he's, like, supreme academic, whatever. (laughs) But the thing that makes him interesting is that he does other things like fencing. He does other things outside of that. He's a talented leader. And that's why people respect him. Not because he's just good at school, but also his ability to do huge amounts of other things. And I think that's what makes St. John's pretty interesting for me.
0: I think the only thing that I... (laughs) I question... But also, like, I struggle with as well is, like you said, there's this top bracket of students, right? I think I call them, like, I think there is a top bracket of students. What are you talking um, like
1: about? Num- like, from what number?
0: So, not it's not a number because they don't exist as in, like, they are part of the top 10% and they play first team sports and everything, right? Yeah. But there's people who are able to span excellence across fields various fields right but my thing is is that is that valuable if it means that you've lost your ability to be sociable with society because i think one of the things that i was i was actually thinking about the other day while i was sitting and studying for prelims and i was just thinking about the experiences that i had i said one of the most valuable things that i don't necessarily believe will give me the upper hand now i don't think it will guarantee i have an upper hand on anyone is simply the idea that my networks expand beyond our country our right. networks expand beyond my continent there's people that not necessarily that i can call on but there's people that i can attest to saying i know you what do you know about x space yeah what do you think stuff like and that yeah i've yeah. got access to probably more real experience than what media is in terms of like i actually get to know what's happening in x country because you actually live there and i'm like Mm. hey what does it look like so and so forth does that mean i am quote unquote sociably richer than somebody else who may be guaranteed to succeed within the academic space in the next four years but may not be guaranteed to excel beyond just being a great employee quote unquote to put it i think
1: by sociable i think i get two ideas from that i think firstly like yeah i'm like an extrovert i chat to people it's really easy for me to like link up with people when i see people i'm not like stressed out my palms don't get sweaty or whatever i'm like really good at making friends whatever um and the other one is like you know the whole instagram thing like your network is your net worth or whatever um and i think that's not necessarily as a social thing i think it's got more to do about your upbringing yeah. or like the type of people you knew um yeah so like when i moved to st john's it became a lot more apparent to me that people just knew people like <laughs> it was so weird i was like yo guys does anyone know an actuary in yeah. their family that i can chat to and like 25 people were like yeah my uncle my brother my sister yeah. my brother's wife's ex-girlfriend yeah i come chat to the guy yeah. um and I don't know, maybe it's because when I got to St. John's, like, like I was a bit older, 16, 17. So and yeah. I was like, yeah, let me chat to people. But it was a really cool experience because um, an old friend of mine, well, not friends anymore, but an old friend of <laughs> mine, um, linked me up with an actuary who went, to, who works at F&B. And he's like, yeah, 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 this is what I do. I build models or whatever. Um, and then I was like, yo, if I'd go overseas, what are the opportunities What does that look like? And he's like, yeah, I've got a friend. He went to LSE in London now he works in new york now he makes this amount of money and i was like yeah i'll send you his whatsapp i'll chat to him whatever and i chatted to a guy who lives in new york um works for like a huge investment bank make huge amounts of money and like he grew up in linksfield he went to london for university um and now he works for like morgan stanley or whatever and i'm like wow (laughs) this is crazy um and this took what me like three conversations with someone's mom like it wasn't too hard um and i think that type of stuff only happens if you make an active effort to go out there um and even if you're not like a particularly cultural or sporty person i think as an academic you can still make that effort to be social with people and just like ask questions be interested in people's lives and i think that's probably where i've made not just my closest friendships but also like just interesting things i know like um i went to a friend's um what is it free drinks one time and we were all chilling there whatever people got bored because we were there too early <laughs> and then i was in this guy's talking about it, like yeah i work in recycling for Africa, in african countries for multinational corporations so they're what? able to work there or whatever yeah he like like you he like he basically cleans up their garbage or whatever and i'm like yeah that's so cool he's like yeah i make huge amounts of money over it it's all i do and he's like yeah i'm looking for um in someone in ethiopia who can help me set up the business i was like damn if i wasn't 17 i'd go <laughs> i was like oh let me tell my dad yeah And my dad hit him up and like, I think someone's gonna go there now. And he's making huge amounts of money with like a degree that is not relevant to the field. And I'm like, I think academics is probably a tool to get access or like get your foot in the door. But I think like success and networking and having soft skills is probably what like gets you through the door and makes sure you get success.
0: Yeah. Okay. I do. (laughs) I do have a question and this is actually stems from a conversation that i think arose while i was traveling with people and we were you know when you're in those heated moments you're, you're just tired of each other but then you start chatting about life and you realize oh, I remember that time what actually guarantees success and who is more successful right the person who began with nothing or the person who had something and quote unquote got the better opportunity
1: what made it bigger yeah um okay i think i've got a little biased answer here because we were talking earlier <laughs> about like bricks and stuff just yeah. like off, off mic we're talking about like yeah ethiopia is the fastest growing economy because the difference between zero RAND and one Rand is a hundred percent yeah um and i think it's, it gives a similar thing so both of my rents um were born and raised in ethiopia my dad grew up in the city like in the city um and my mom grew up in like rural ethiopia and whatever so like yeah neither of them went to uni um so i'm like the second person i think in my family to go to uni like if i get to uni <laughs> um but i've always found that to be particularly inspiring because um i've seen how difficult it's been for my parents to interact in like certain communities like my mom doesn't like do the whole pta thing like parent teacher conferences she's like nothing where we going um and i think breaking into a world into a country that isn't yours is particularly difficult not because of your ability or your intelligence or whatever but just because it's an unknown situation yeah and i think like i've always been disappointed (laughs) um when i see kids who are like pretty well off whose parents are like there for them and support them and they still like do poorly or don't have a drive in life or anything because i'm like fired. no not even like that though but like you've been set up like it's given to you on a silver platter and then you like make an active effort to just not do anything um so i think it's probably harder to start from nothing but i also like don't have that experience um i think my parents set me up for a pretty good lifestyle yeah um which i super appreciate but i think being cognizant of the fact that i had an upper hand than they did made my life a lot easier because like my dad was dialed at school my dad finished high school like 97 average or whatever uh, tough and then he didn't go to uni he was like yeah my parents couldn't afford us i'm going to uni and then i immigrated to south africa and i was like wow i wish i had a 97 average <laughs> it's like ah, that doesn't happen um so i think um opportunity isn't available for everyone yeah and it's pretty sad things South like africa i think like we've all had the international university conversation and we're like yeah, yeah let's go and i think we talked about it on the podcast before like let's go like who cares what happens um even the ability to have those conversations comes from a space of like privilege and like deep opportunity privilege, yeah uh, deep like having the chat like yeah guys i want to go to stanford i want to go to princeton i want to go to harvard is a wild conversation to be having not even in terms of cost but even just acknowledging that that's a possibility for you is a big deal and i think when like when sazi went to harvard or whatever i think for a lot of people i knew it was the first time they were like yeah actually you know i can get out of South africa i can get going yeah like it wasn't a reality for them um and i think those types of people people who like break boundaries in terms of your thinking are particularly helpful people so like i have different aspirations to what my parents have In terms of what I define as success, or what I define as a certain type of lifestyle, because I've seen how other people live, or I've seen what other people do, and I think it's not even an ability; it just comes from a space of, yeah, that's actually something that's possible. Like Mm -hmm. guys are being like, how many times did I have to explain to someone who like doesn't come from that uh, privileged space? Like, this is what an actually does. Yeah, he takes numbers, he works (laughs) in insurance, and he makes money. They were like "Oh, So he does stats And I'm like (laughs) Yeah Maybe I was like I don't know for sure But it's really easy To understand like What a doctor does For example Or what a lawyer does Or what an engineer does Which is why Like from Undeveloped communities They're like Yeah that's what my kid has to be Because it's really easy To like understand But that's not necessarily What the best career might be
0: Yeah No I definitely hear that I mean So How do I say this Without exposing too much (laughs) I think so Suzzy's the reason why Suzy's a good example but also then like i also have beef is like Suzzy very much his parents didn't come from much but he does right yeah and i think part of the schools that we go to being in private institutions i mean paying near half a million rand for school fees and 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 yeah um is that there's a i don't want to say there's an understanding but there's an expectation to do well right mm. and i think that's why i think it, it's defined very differently when you say you see kids without ambition going to private schools and not necessarily knowing what to do and i think part of that stems from the fact that they know they're set like they've got yeah, a job
1: i'll take my dad's business yeah of exactly here. yeah my uh-huh. mom loves saying that to me he's like jonathan yeah don't fumble science to him i've got no company <laughs> to give you like you're not like the other kids yeah um, exactly yeah so
0: there's that that's already established but i think even for and i can probably only speak for the people i'm a part of now so like the generation older than me because i don't know people below me Mm. as well is even the poc kids who have families that have established good businesses and good companies Mm. tend to have an ambition because they know that this is the first and there's no guarantee that it'll be there tomorrow yeah it'll
1: disappear tomorrow
0: so there's that like drive that i think exists different within poc communities than white communities but back to what you were saying i think my only thing about groundbreaking individuals is the misshaping in people's thinking about actually attaining certain things um like one of the things that i always attest to is yes suzzy probably was one of the most brilliant students that we've ever had um but people have done better than sazi yeah. and have shown to have d- done better right mm. for the black community i think it was recognition for the work that he had put in recognition for where he had gotten and people now saying that it's an attainable thing within our community yeah. um and it was an actualization of somebody achieving their dreams what's now changed is kind of this idea that where we stand now as a society is people think that's attainable and have now completely changed their mind shift without changing their actions and that's what i'm not too like proud of yeah or excited to say in a space like saint john's because i think private schools in general have this issue where they tell their kids that we are essentially trying to be successful or you will always be successful because you've stepped into the space without actually telling kids the barriers that exist around them i think for a good five years we exist in a raceless society air quotations Mm. there's still racism there's still so everything else that exists within that space but the one thing that becomes apparent when we step into the university world is we are different and i think that's why i'm not sure how i feel about people being martyrs um within the space and within the community But that's my thoughts But that's my take Um, Also what are you trying to do With the mic
1: It's fine It's fine It's fine I gotta fix it up I think Yeah it's good It's good mind. It's good It's good It's good good. Oh Oh what's going on What are you doing Um okay This is not better Um Nah it's fine It's fine It's it's complicated Okay it's complicated What is the question
0: Um just the idea of the martyr type, martyrism, martyr, I don't even know what the word, I
1: don't think you're, you're looking for the word martyr. <laughs> martyrism is like, yeah, we, maybe, okay, sky. idolization.
0: Okay, idolization yeah. makes more sense. Yeah.
1: Um, I think it's a slippery slope. I think it's always nice to have, role models of some sort, or someone who said, yeah, this is something that's been done before. So there's like, some sort of pipe, or like some sort of pathway, to get it done. And I think that's very comforting. Like, writing essays without templates stresses me the hell out like i hate that stuff yeah. um or like doing something for the first time it's always like a huge yeah. work or whatever um i think idealization probably comes from a lack of experience for the most part mm. like yeah i should do this because it worked for somebody else or that guy's like the best ever and then you get to a certain level where you're like it's really not that deep and i think that happened in debating as well like when I joined up in grade 10, I was like, yeah, Kumo, wow, what a debater. Wow, look at all these other people, so talented. And then you get to a certain level and you're like, you start to acknowledge that they're just people too. And they haven't like um, done anything that's like completely out of comprehension or something like that. And I think that goes back to the idea of being exposed to certain levels of talent or, or like um, yeah, privilege or whatever. Like the more you see someone, like for example, if everybody at our school like went to harvard like one student went to harvard every year um yeah i would become a little like disillusioned I'd be like ah oh i'm proud of him but like he's yeah, not the first yeah, yeah. um so i think there's something to be said about being the first to do something or being one of the first and i think elements of idolization are probably justified not like yeah i should be just like them but it makes a lot of sense why you would idolize in some instances um i don't know i know um like a friend of mine like his parents talk about sazi to him <laughs> once a week like, like what did you get religious. for that test like oh yo, what did you get for that test um yeah. and he's black as well so like it's a it's more of a race thing more than an yeah, idealization yeah. thing um but this whole comparison thing makes a lot of sense to me i think the ability to say um i want to be like that guy is something that's particularly powerful
0: yeah i my only thing though and i think i I, I look you want to segue from this but my only thing about that becomes the idea that people then make it about being the first instead of making about making it a normal occurrence, right? Because um, it's the same thing that you say, like when it's when it's when when it happens regularly, we lose interest. And I feel like that's part of the issue because it should be a thing that happens regularly. As much as, okay, yes, Harvard, yes, golden standard, right? Like 0.1% of America has been to Harvard. But what the chat becomes is when we exist in these spaces it has to be more of a common occurrence the same way that we made making it into uct and vita a standard thing within private schools as in like people know it's a guarantee that they're going to get in unless you've done something weird within your academic your academic career but it becomes this idea that people should aspire to do this until it becomes normal because the reality is that I think, like you said, about degrees being understandable to certain communities is people then don't realize what's required of them to get through. So a kid ends up applying for law, taking law drops out in the first year because he didn't understand if it was for him, but also didn't understand if it was actually something that he could cope with. Now, I'm not saying, and I think this also speaks to universities not being an infrastructure for black students um to allow them to excel but i feel like that's an entirely different conversation on itself is the understanding that a lot of people really step into university not knowing and they Mm. kind of throw darts at the board um but something i want to segue into which is something that we should have spoke about i just think it's because it happened so long ago is the interschool forum man
1: oh yeah that was um a lot of fun um so just a bit of context for those who don't know um a friend of mine alex tiffo and i um ran they stole my job no you didn't get the job um, they
0: stole my job
1: not the first time um but like um alex tiffo and i we ran the second annual in school forum um at st john's college um it was started by a friend of ours leto who's off to study politics and economics i think at lse this yeah. year he was on here before um but yeah it was a pretty interesting experience um Organizing was yeah, a mission. Yo, Metric yeah metric hit me for six. Yo, <laughs> yo I remember first term. Um yeah, first term was a dramatic time. Yeah. But yeah, we ran that thing, um, for youth youth day, yeah, youth day. Um and an article will be coming out soon in the Mail and Guardian. Um, just detecting our reflections and stuff. There were quite a few schools there, I think about sixty students from various schools. I think twelve to fifteen schools, although don't quote me on those numbers. Um <laughs> But yeah, an article will be published probably the second week of September. So if this goes out before that, um, I encourage everyone to look at that. But yeah, that was a very interesting experience. Um, Just a bit of a preview what we did. We split up um, our thoughts into three categories. We talked about environmentalism as a, like environmentalism right now. Then we talked about um, social apathy as well as the role of gender. And we looked at all of this through the scope of like the youth and what, what precisely it means to us. Um so I was kind of like running the whole social apathy thing and Alex mm. ran the environmentalism thing and the gender was a bit of a collaborative effort because we found it quite difficult to engage mm. with it directly, which is really cool. Um, it was it was nice to understand that this probably isn't a problem that I can directly relate to, but it's also something that I have direct involvement in. So it was it was a nice exploration, but yeah, more details will be set out on that. But that was a big project that I'm pretty proud of.
0: I do want to ask something, right? Um, so I was there for part of it. In you know? and out, yeah. Yeah, I was in an art busy man. It, it shows. Um, what was your experience viewing it from the outside? Because one thing about the group I was with was firstly, okay, I think the first thing is one thing about excellence within johannesburg it seems to filter through in all spaces like if people excel at one space um or have shown leadership quality in one space they tend to just take over everywhere over their schools and they become representation which i think is just kudos to the people who do that and i think like people need to continue doing that it's amazing to see but from the outside what was your take on it um just in terms of engaging with people who were not only i don't want to say uninformed because i feel like everyone was very informed within yeah, that everyone's space in. but we're essentially informed from different perspectives like what was the thing that came out to you when you were viewing conversations that you wouldn't have necessarily seen being a part of them
1: um so for the most part i was not paying attention during the day. <laughs> hey, how you like, I, I, I can answer the question because Alex and I started talking about it afterwards. Yeah. But during the day, man, yo, there's this, like, a particular, particular photo of me and Alex <laughs> were lying on the floor <laughs> afterwards behind, like, the backdrop. And we just passed out because, yeah, we didn't think it was going to happen. Um, yeah. But afterwards, we started talking about it. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I appreciated about the forum was that everyone there was willing to hear mm-hmm. more than to learn. Like, I, I don't think anybody was going there to be told, this is what environmentalism is, this is, like, what you have to do to fix it i think most people were there just to hear what others have to say um and i've found that to be a particularly difficult thing to find as of late um Mm. it's probably my fault because like all the spaces (laughs) i'm in like the whole debating public speaking thing um student affairs that we've been up to everyone is opinionated to the point where this is my point this point will come across or this point will be solidified and no one's going to touch it um and that's probably my fault but it was such a it was such a nice experience just to collaborate and um which is probably why i need to get into more like actual creative stuff Mm. where it's just a space to engage rather than to um like argue points or like to argue certain ideals um it was a real privilege to see some people who didn't really know what was going on like um there was a particularly there was a particular group that was really quiet for a long time and i got up and i'm like yeah we need to get these people talking so i sat (laughs) down and i was like what do you guys think um, like the LO curriculum should look like for example there's an yeah, activity yeah. we had to do like what would your ideal LO curriculum look like and we gave them the current curriculum like the SAGs or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. and they were like what does yours look like and then one of these girls started talking about um, how they want more education on like what trans rights are or what it means to be a turf or whatever and I looked at her like yo <laughs> yeah I'm not doing this at school we're not doing this at school, yeah, <laughs> this at school. It's Like, this is not going to happen um, and I was like but it's so interesting to see that it's something that people who aren't necessarily part of certain communities want to learn about. um Yeah. And I it as well with like, uh, it was a black guy actually. He was like, when we talk about apartheid or whatever, I wanted to be more of a understanding of what it meant to be alive at the time, more than being told, yeah, this is Nelson Mandela beat the whites. Um, mm. and it reminds me of a friend of mine who lives in the UK stayed in germany for a while and she was like yeah in germany they're very the way they teach the holocaust the way they teach like the nazis or whatever is from a space of understanding context more than learning facts and i think that's something that i've always been disappointed with in the history syllabus like i think we finish the syllabus now and it's never been about understanding yeah this is what it meant to be white at the time or this is what it meant to be a white liberal and my history teacher is pretty fantastic about it he was like guys I i went in the army because i wanted to but because i was forced into subscription subscri- or whatever yeah and conscription, conscription. But sure. oh adhd <laughs> um conscription and he was like yeah this is what it meant um and i was like this is such a powerful thing because it's really difficult to understand certain things if you haven't heard them from a this is what it's like to be there type of vibe yeah so seeing that kind of stuff was eye-opening for me but it's also eye-opening to see that like people who like have no business talking about certain things or life they've got no personal stake or personal narrative or like yeah i care um i found the humane side of it all to be quite fascinating
0: mm. i mean yo okay you took a lot more insight from me from there from from that than i did <laughs> um because i don't know i think one of the things was i instantly felt comfortable walking into that room Mm. um and i think you probably felt it because i was more myself (laughs) i was more myself and typical um and at the time i wasn't i wasn't feeling a hundred but i remember just walking into that room seeing familiar faces and i was Mm. like yeah this is this is this is the space i want to be in and take these conversations forward because i know the minds that exist around me Mm. um and i think even to the people that i did know they just showed me so much more because I was like, OK, snap. OK, yeah, yeah, I'll think like that. I said, that's cool. Um, and it opened not only the ability for me to take away certain preconceptions of certain individuals and in certain schools and what I think people produce. It also allowed me to just see what the future really is um, for the youth, but also South Africa in general because I think there's a missing aspect that I think partially has been the development of this platform, but also just the conversations that I have, I realize that in spaces where I need to be competitive, I become very opinionated because Mm. that's the way that I need to set myself up. So people can, I don't want to say respect what I say because I think think it's kind of, it's yeah, exactly. There's a, there's a part of that. They have
1: to give, you have to, a lot of the time I feel that what bothers me, is that the level of respect or the level of um, trust someone gives you in those types of conversations isn't enough for you to fairly present what you have to say. Yeah, And you kind of have to earn, like you have to have some clout. You have to like earn that privilege, which is also like really disappointing to see, to be honest. I think that whole like, it's, you know, that Russian guy on Instagram Reels, who's like, he's like, he, 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 like, takes a bunch of drugs or whatever. He's, like, a philosopher or whatever. What? I don't know. I forgot his name. Um, I'll, I'll send it to you later if I have it. But he was basically talking, and he's like, I find my relationship... With, so, there's a guy. He's like, I find my relationship with, like, my friendship with guys so weird because we have to have, like, the first 15 minutes, we have to insult each other. We have yeah. to make fun of each other's mothers, dah, 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 before we can sit down and really talk about life. And I was like, mm. this is really annoying. This is draining, man. Like, why do I have to... Um. Why do I have to do that little dance in the beginning before we're willing yeah. to give each other a chance?
0: I think, and I think I can I can probably speak to that. And something that I was th- that was different. I think I was the only guy on my table. Now that I think about it. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So I was I was the only male on a female space, which was kind of funny because I then became like, I literally just became comfortable with asking questions, mm. um, because not only did I ask questions that i'm not necessarily afraid to ask in the spaces that i exist in already but i i genuinely ask questions without the fear of having to deal with having to defend the reason i asked that question
1: yeah you have to like justify
0: yeah um and i think that's one of the things that i i took away from that space because i think one I stepped like i think what you're saying is in a weird way i stepped into that space going ah there's a lot of people who already respect my opinion yeah, and the yeah, person yeah. that I was. So I don't have to earn it anymore. Um, so I walked in very comfortably and I was like, Oh, okay. Not only am I in my space, but I can now take control of my space, mm. um, which in a weird way then shifted my mindset because I was very, I wouldn't say soft, but I was very passive in my approach Yeah. Um, to then giving too much of myself to try and prove something to someone, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's one of the interesting things that came out of that experience for me. And I guess people have different experiences depending on the table that they sat on. Exactly. Um, there was a few things I disagreed with that were just presented, and I felt like I'm not necessarily too sure how I feel about them. Like eco-anxiety for me still feels like a very
1: big word, airy
0: fairy big word. Not too yeah. sure exactly. And I'm like, I hear what people are trying to get at, but that's I feel not for like. Me. I feel like it, it wasn't for me but i was i was more than willing to learn i think i'm proud that i could have stepped out of that space and felt like i took something away um but i mean like a huge congrats to you guys because i mean y'all yeah, put it through i mean we'll see what happens with the mail and guardian article and essentially see where it ends i mean last thing let's chat, chat about bricks because i guess that's why we started but yeah and it, life, life goes around exactly life goes um Give your thoughts actually ah, Bricks annoys me guys I
1: despise <laughs> Bricks Oh my word Guys when I saw Ethiopia Became part of Bricks I was so confused Because Yeah none of you guys Have been to Ethiopia Unless you've been to the airport But <laughs> You know Santon Is like the richest square mile In South Africa Yeah <clears throat> Ethiopia is a bit like that There's a really big Nice square mile Yeah And outside of that There's no roads guys There's like dirt roads I was like How 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 all of Ethiopia's roads, like the highways, you know, the whole um, like neo-colonialist thing China's doing yeah, yeah, yeah. by giving them... Industry. All the roads are in Chinese. Like the road is no in Chinese. But I swear to God, when you go, when you're driving on the highway, it's some big Chinese, something, something, something in Chinese construction bank. That's what it says on all the roads. I was so upset the first time I saw it. I think it was like, I think it started in like 2014, 15 for real. That's like insane. when the AU building was being built, I saw all this Chinese shit. I was like, how did this get from China to Ethiopia another part of BRICS as a (laughs) developing nation I was like something's not going on Um, but more than anything BRICS annoyed me because I was getting my suit for MD and it's like in Samton and cops everywhere I was so confused and my mom made like a really funny comment she was like yeah it's because all the African leaders are in attendance and someone's gonna try assassinate them for all the nonsense they do (laughs) I was like mom you can't say these things bro you can't say these things here Um, but I think BRICS is an interesting idea so in Tanzania we did a emotion about like whether brick should adopt um a new currency and we called it the brick because it was like funny um <laughs> but we were talking about it and, I, and, I, and I, it was like really interesting because i might study economics next year so i was like learning about what makes a currency important like why the euro yeah. is considered a failure in some states um and i don't really know i don't know where BRICs is trying to go and i don't think they know either i think they're just trying to be expansionist in some sense. But I also don't understand if it's supposed to be anti-West or it's supposed to be pro-separation or something like that. Yeah. And I think the distinction that they've been trying to make is different from different sides. So from Mm. South Africa, they're definitely saying, yeah, this is a pro-South Africa thing or this is a pro-economic thing. But if you ask China and Russia, they're like, this is definitely anti-West. Or at least the very least from Russia. um, For like obvious reasons. um so i'm particularly interested to see where this relationship goes in the future because i think south africa's relationship with russia has been tested as of late like when south africa refused to like condemn the war i think they very clearly showed the side they're on um i thought it was really weird by the way when like um we were accused of selling weapons to russia (laughs) like when like like doesn't have weapons guys yeah um i thought that was a really weird thing and that kind of showed me where we're kind of going mm. um is this going to be how the u.s treats south africa in the future which is particularly sad because if i study in the u.s getting these relations to be pretty strong um but um i think the new additions make bricks particularly interesting um whether yeah. they make their own country or not i think the additions of the arab nations like saudi arabia and the uae is particularly challenging um money, i don't see money, argentina money,
0: money. yeah pretty much
1: um yeah pretty much um i don't think the addition of argentina adds much yeah, do in my i don't think it adds much um but i was talking to my dad about it and he was like the conversations that like ethiopian people are having is like ethiopia was part of brics now so that like it's considered to be also an african thing so they can expand in africa later in the future yeah. um which makes a lot of sense when you consider the strong african countries aren't particularly doing too well right now like There's like political instability in Nigeria, I believe, in their recent elections. Um, I know there's like drama in Egypt, um, which is in particular news, which I don't know. I found BRICS to be an interesting thing. I think it's definitely gone from an economic block to a political power now. I think that's definitely the step that they've been taking. Um, But I also don't understand what the outcomes are supposed to be. Um, But I don't know. I'm kind of rambling now. So what are your thoughts?
0: Um I think two things, all right? Um firstly, shout out to the nigga Gaddafi <laughs> because I genuinely do believe BRICS is a reattempt not necessarily at an African country. Mm. Um I mean an African currency, but an attempt to reunite Africa economically. And that's probably because of where I see it from. China, questionable Russia, India as well, with a growing population and a common economy, is they need to put their money somewhere because they've almost reached their capacity economically. Economic growth, yeah. So they need to develop elsewhere, but they need to do it in a way that's economical to them. Mm-hmm. And I think i'm not surprised that south africa was the first african country that existed within BRICS. i think it's because it's i no i think uh, that's part I think, I, think that's th- no, I think that's part of it but i think additional to that is the recognition for the development that can exist mm. um and that needs to be garnered through an african stable nation like as much as we say south africa is bad south africa politically is very stable for now so yeah there's no i don't
1: if, think they'll ever be like an unstable like, I don't think there'll be a civil yeah. war in South Africa for example yeah
0: because we've seen our violent history and I think we'll see another one soon but I don't think soon is around the corner
1: mm. and I think instability in South Africa will never be militaristic I don't yeah. think it'll be like Niger um I don't think it'll or like Ethiopia I don't think it'll be a yeah. civil war I think the government has done a surprisingly good job of like keeping guns down whatever and keeping like instances of like mass violence to be a re- to, like like reasonably down i think yeah. like the murder rate is high but it's never like organized like 100 people are storming something yeah. uh, which is a really weird thing to me by the way i remember the first time i saw a gun uh, i was at a white friend's house and he was like yeah i do hunting and i think we were like 12 and then he pulled out a rifle out of his dad's room like out of his safe i was like what the hell is this <laughs> i was so good guys i was so everything was heavy man i was so confused um it was a really it was a really weird experience because then i went to the u.s last year august and then i went to washington and these guns like the size of people bro these yeah. guns are huge um so i think south Africa's pretty interesting as an african country i think it's yeah. also why um like most south african presidents have been head of the au historically yeah. um i think ramaphosa is now i think tom Blakey might have been at some point or he was something important yeah there.
0: something important and then
1: help. um Nkosassani zuma was something there as well she was the secretary yeah. or something like that um which makes a lot of sense i think um foreign nations try find stable partners in everything that they do um it's like the whole reason for the us and israel's relationship um they yeah. believe them to be like a particularly stable country in the middle east which is very rapidly changing <laughs> by the way very very rapidly they need to not find new friends yeah um but actually what do you think the us's plans are from now like what do you think their strategy is because all their friends are kind of disappearing
0: um firstly i think world politics is a bit shaky um there's a there's a fight between nationalism and global unity and mm. i think that's partially being done as a result of social media. As in, as people have access to more communities, people are tapping out of communities. And there's now this weird thing where people are like, no, you must remain as part of your people. Part of your people. And I think it reflects in the West a significant amount. So when people say they're losing their allies, I think it's fair to say the West is in a bit of a shambolic state. Um, the big players aren't necessarily holding it down. I mean, if we look at England, they've had five prime ministers. Five.
1: France is burning. Yeah, France
0: is burning. Um,
1: Biden's dead, almost.
0: Uh, I mean, the US is struggling to find a good political candidate. Well, I think that's reflective of society as a whole. I think politics in general is currently in a very, very weird space. And the reality is, even when I was looking at stats, was the u.s economy will never be more lower than a third in the world within the next 30 years is it china and then china india, india. the united states mm. and the interesting thing there is one thing we're not understanding is the potential for war within the eastern bloc but also within africa that many people aren't thinking about when they talk about economic stats what do you mean by that There's a lot of potential that exists both in Africa and I think within the Eastern Bloc, China, Russia, but the issue is that for that potential to be maximized, there has to be almost an authoritarian control to guarantee it. China, perfect example. The issue now is China saying, we need more people, and now there's obviously tension that exists between China and Taiwan that continues to grow. Mm. Similarly with Russia, russia didn't have to invade ukraine it was more of a statement um at least how i view it yeah i think it's a, i don't
1: understand the, i don't know i asked a really silly question in practice the other day i was like why don't they just bomb them um and then i got a pretty cool answer like there was um the resources thing and how there's yeah. a lot of oil in the black sea or whatever but i, I think i disagree about the africa thing i think Af- do you mean civil wars or do you mean wars between countries
0: civil i don't necessarily think that makes sense i think we've gone beyond border fighting i think it's gone internal but reason being once again is i think that's partially pushed by the idea that people want economic growth now but the only way in doing that is by controlling the economy for making it good for your people and i think that's the one thing that south africa is devoid of but is slowly growing to gain that makes bricks an interesting concept but isn't the concept because the reality is, and I think BRICS is playing more into South African politics than I think we're realizing is that BRICS only works if you've got good ANC relationships. The ANC is losing control. Well, predicted ANC doesn't win majority of a percent.
1: will get 45% at least.
0: The issue then becomes who becomes your representation can't be the DA because they're very adamant against not working with black entities, which is what BRICS looks for. Mm, I know what you mean. So it's an interesting, weird way of saying that BRICS for many people, I think, is really just a reach to re-establish politics within their nation, but also re-establish the control within the economy. Because I think one thing BRICS has done for South Africa, um, in my closing, is it's given us hope again that something will change. Even though many of us don't know what that change is
1: um two things for me i think on the the point of like civil wars in south in, in africa um so the ones that i am like intimately are aware of is the the new coup in Niger. yeah um i think the countries around that i forgot what they were called there's like a unity of countries around that they're like fighting that um interestingly um i know that the military who took over Niger for support from the russian mercenary group wagner um and i think they denied them i believe which is quite interesting um but there's a really interesting book that i recommend everyone reads it's called africa is not a country um i forgot who's by um it's a particularly interesting book it kind of explains the reason for african conflicts um Mm. about how like why is there a random straight line going through mali it's because someone sat down in berlin it was like the berlin conference or whatever was not drawn Sc- on a napkin yeah I was drawn on a napkin like a scramble for africa they're like yeah, yeah this straight line this country's mine yeah. and the issue is for a lot of countries that goes through tribal lines so yeah. like imagine the zulu kingdom was split in half and now like they're yeah. saying we want that we want to be our own people and stuff like that that's like a key reason for majority of border conflicts um or like internal conflicts so in ethiopia there's a separate, there's a separate separatist yeah separatist state um, which is like also that also in South, in South Africa it isn't like a foreign concept. I think yeah. When we were studying like um the coming to democracy, like the whole Zulu kingdom wanting to be its own country and stuff like yeah. that. Um, I think the whole tribalism thing is probably exacerbated by economic um conflict. Yeah. Um, I think that it would it happened in Congo too, was not it? Um, but um, I think in closing the thing i agree with the most is that BRICS signals something and i don't think anyone has a very clear-cut answer and i don't think they have it either Mm -hmm. i think when we analyze why each country is in BRICS it's really different so i think south africa is in BRICS because it positions itself as the leader of africa firstly um i think russia is in BRICS because it means they can um expand more in africa and like be anti-west i think I don't think i think you mentioned this the other day like that china isn't anti-west um it's anti-usa it's just pro-china and that's usually yeah. against each other which i've found to be particularly interesting because i haven't really seen violent interactions between china and the us like during my lifetime they've never threatened to go to a war yeah they never th- like if, the most that they've ever done is like we will take your economy and i think that's a nature of conflict that i can appreciate because it does signal that there is positive relations yeah. to some extent. Um, I think India is just, yeah, India is just hoping for the best. They're like, we've got a lot of people. There's um, actually this video by The Economist about why India is probably going to be one of the fastest growing economies, which yeah. I recommend you watch, really good video. Um, and then we have all these new additions, I think like UAE, Saudi Arabia, some of this India, I think they're just hedging their bets. They're saying Fast. we might as well. Um, and I think that's a very key indicator that BRICS isn't going with intention right now it's just a collection of people saying we're going to do something in the future yeah because i think i don't think countries like india um uae or saudi arabia would have joined BRICS if they had a very clear we're not going west we're anti-west or yeah. de dollarization thing because that's a very strong political statement that I don't think these countries are positioned to be doing yeah. or have, like, any interest in doing. Like, I don't think Argentina, for example, is a particularly strong world player who wants to make these types of, like, statements or anything. Um, But in closing, I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens to the African politics. We've been talking about it in history class um, with my teacher. He's a, he's a big Ramaphosa supporter. Um, I think it's really weird. I'm not sure why Ramaphosa is so popular in the white community. I think it's because... He's such a yeah that too, but I think <laughs> it's also because he's such a different character to Zuma that they're like, this is the best we'll ever get from the ANC. Which like also I think who's the deputy now? It's Paul. Yeah, I think he's gonna become president. Um, I think I, I think I think. Oh the, yeah, no no, he's definitely. He's de- I think I, I think they've lined him up really well. Uh, my dad doesn't believe me, but I I, def- I don't know. Is Ramaphosa gonna stay? What do you think?
0: <laughs> so sources that i've spoken to um that have also that are very invested within the political space are saying they believe paul will run and cyril's in a step down um how true this is i guess we see but the reality is that cyril was good and i don't know if this is the anc legacy speaking through me cyril's nowhere close to our best president I think Thabo Mbeki has been our best president. He uh, just made a mistake regarding uh, No no, come on, he just made a mistake he made a it. mistake regarding HIV, which I think any president within South within the South African lineup would have done that. Um, Cyril was the best for white pockets because he looked to protect them. He wasn't about re trying to reinvest back into the black community. And I think it's balanced people. And i think that's a conversation and I'll, pro- I'll probably drop an episode on just anc politics and just how they've unfolded
1: there's no way you believe tom becky was our president man. i'm being so serious he nelson, Ma- nelson so mandela okay, wait, wait 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 you said he's the best president you can argue that he wasn't good at all good bro, for who but for anyone no because he look, waffled everything
0: the middle class that existed in south okay, africa the middle class grew grew a lot. Almost two times over in his term. I don't
1: know if it's because of it him. Well, This is a separate chat. This is a separate and chat. That's
0: what, so that's what I'm saying.
1: But the HIV thing was wild. And we'll get so into you guys. It. You, you guys know that he said like, yeah, you can take a shower. Off. Take yes. a shower. And then he said, eat beetroot. I <laughs> yeah, said beetroot will take <laughs> no, away your HIV. I,
0: don't, I think that's what I said. I think there'll be a deep dive into ANC politics. But I also think misunderstood from this point onwards will probably be more educational conversations. I at least hope that's what it will be. Um as we as I try and find my niche and I try and decide what's the identity of this as I have time to now reinvest into this as an opportunity and a process. Um
1: I'm gonna make it a US vlog. Ah, it's <laughs> a day in my life. This that's, is what I did for breakfast. That's you? not yeah. that's so
0: lie you never gonna happen. Um but I do say I appreciate you for coming on. I think we've had a conversation and a half. Yeah, I think it's been a lot of fun. Thank you yeah. for
1: inviting me up, even though you know, you're a bit sick
0: i'm beyond sick yeah beyond sick but the people who know that story they know that story but as always this is misunderstood